Great. All right. Well, we'll see what we can do. All right. Here we go. Um, I forget how this starts. Give me two seconds. Wait, here we go. Hi, Escaping Reality fam. Welcome back. We're so excited to be watching and discussing UK Drag Race season two with you guys today. Um, if I sound a little bit different, it's because I'm recording with Stacy and not Nick today. So it's a party and a half and like, let's just get lit. Also, you're going to hear so much more of Stacy laughing this time because she can't mute herself while I am talking. It's going to be so fun, but there she is. Like we said, we're watching UK Drag Race season two in preparation for season three that is coming out this fall, which Nick and I will definitely be covering and maybe we'll bully Stacy to join us. So with that being said, we are going to just kind of jump right in to talking about UK Drag Race season two. So Stacey, you want to start us off with your one minute thoughts on season two? All right. Well, first off, I'm excited that Aggie's in the same room as me. This is very rare, so I'm excited. Uh, when it comes to Drag Race UK season two, I will say I was much more engaged this season than with season one. I know last week I said it was a little hard to stay focused, but this week I, I mean, I did watch them all today, but I was at the edge of my seat the whole time. Yeah, I just felt like it had a lot of energy. There were a lot of queens that I was very invested in. There were just things that happened where I was shocked or as I forget her name, Michelle, I think says gobsmacked. There she is. So, which is like there my favorite. That's like my new favorite term because it makes me think of like gobstoppers. The honesty so. in that answer, Stacey. So yes, I was much more into the season. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend it to people to watch for sure. And I think there's a lot for us to get into. I'm going to skip me and go last. So Anna, you go next. Wow. Next in line. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed season two. It was definitely more filled with moments that really made you gag, as the queen say. I felt, I don't want to say I was more engaged in season one, but I feel like right off the bat, I preferred the queens as an ensemble in season one than I did in this season. However, the queens that I liked in this season, I liked more than those in that I did in season one. I don't know what kind of backwards thinking explanation that was, but like, I feel like this ensemble, and maybe it was partially because the season kind of lost momentum a bit with the COVID break, but I felt that as a whole, it was harder for me to get to know the Queens this season. And maybe that's just me, but I know there were a few that like a few episodes had gone on before I had their names straight. And I was like really rooting for more than just like the two people from the first episode that I was like, yes, locked in. That's how I want to go to the end everybody else kind of like glittered in the background a bit so that would be my first impression of the season that kind of carried through the whole thing but as a whole season it was a bit more fun and a bit more like well paced than season one just because there were more shocking moments I thought including COVID times we love a COVID time and I think also we'll get into it but there were more queens this time and I think that made for some forgettable humans okay see I didn't put that math together but yes absolutely you're right all right, before I get into mine, let's hear from our main man, Nicholas Jason. Oh, well, bing, bang, bong, sing, sing, song, ding, dang, dong. Welcome to the, the times, guys. Welcome. This is, I don't know where I was going, but you know what? I love season two of UK. I love all the queens in it. The challenges are great. The quotes in this season are like some of the best quotes from Drag Race in general. 
It has some of my favorite queens of Drag Race history in this season. You get like Tia Coffee, you get Taste, you get Bimini Bomboulash. Like you get all of these amazing queens and I just, I love them. And you do get like all these gag worthy moments that come from this season. And you get the iconic UK Hun song. Oh, it's just, it's all so good. With that said, the last three episodes of this season take a drastic turn that piss me off to no end. Like after Sister Sister Goes Home, those episodes after that are like painful for me to watch because I'm like, what happened to the rule book? It went out the window. But as a whole, I do love this season. And as I was watching it with Aggie, which was probably like my third or fourth time watching this season through, I was like, this is still a season that like I could watch multiple times on end and still find enjoyment in it. As I'm eating a cookie, I will agree with you, Nick. I think overall, UK season two is great because the highs are so high and the lows are like relatable lows in that they're mostly related to COVID. And so you're just kind of like, oh, Jesus Christ, what the fuck is happening? Like, been there, man. You're depressed? Same. You didn't have work? Same. You had to work from home? Same. Terrible, miserable nightmare. And I think the addition of more queens, Anna, I agree. I think the ensemble was more likable almost in season one, just as a group, like you rooted for more of them. And in season two, you're like, who are some of these people? Because like, they didn't matter to the narrative. So they got less screen time. And when you have someone as strong as taste as a narrator, you don't give the time to other people because why would you? Nick called taste a walking meme multiple times. And she is like the things she says are memeable. And so you're just like, why would I give the time to poor sweet Ginny Lemon when I could have taste give us commentary on the exact same challenge? Sorry, Ginny Lemon, you're a gem. And I found out you're in a thruple watching Queens on Lockdown. I have so much questions. Like, let's chat Don't later. Don't come for Ginny. Don't come for Miss Lemon. <laughs> but regardless, with someone like taste and even Ahura as the people who can give you sound bites that are just so funny, so quippy. It's like, I don't need to necessarily talk to every single queen. And I think that's where Anna, your comment about casting was like a little bit kind of up and down. I think that totally works. And then Nick, I think your comment about throwing the rule book away is kind of true because we see Tia Coffee send home Astina who already had like had a win, which is very out of character for them. Taste being in the bottom four times when she wasn't the worst in multiple challenges. You're kind of like, what's going on? But overall, it's just like this gag-worthy season. There's so many moments where you're like, ah! I, I would go on record to say that there is no bad runway, like where everybody was bad or it was like just not a good theme. Like every single time they're on the runway, you're like, shit, they all look great. This is so fun. I, it's a really fun season to watch. It's a little bit upsetting at moments in time when they're like, we're going to shut down because of COVID and you have nothing to do for seven months. And you're like, remember that? Anyway, so that was our one minute thoughts. I'm going to really quickly just read through who was in this season in case you're like trying to remember you watched it a while ago. So I'm going to quickly go through who is in the season and then I'll just kind of open up to talking about the contestants a little bit more. I kind of started, but just as a reminder, this season, UK Drag Race season two was Joe Black, Cherry Valentine, Astina Mandela, Ginny Lemon, Veronica Green, Tia Coffee, Sister Sister, Ahura, Ellie Diamond, Taste, Bimini Bomb, Lash, and Lawrence Chan. So I would love to hear if someone has really strong feelings about a particular queen. Is there someone who caught your eye or had a really interesting journey that you would like to bring up in this moment that you don't think we're going to talk about at all? Or you just feel strongly about it? Whatever floats your little boats. I mean, I was just going to say, I love the name Tia Coffee. 
And that just like from the start, because she explained like Tia is from Tia, Tia and Tia Mowry. Uh, what's her name? Yeah, Tia Tamara. But and then Kofi is Kofi Annan. But Kofi is a Ghanaian name too. And like I have an uncle named Kofi. So like it's just funny. But it's funny because like there's that connection, but then it's like tea or coffee. Like it's just the perfect combination. So I was in love just from that, just from the name. She might come up later, hint, <laughs> hint, in a special segment we like to call Honorable Mention. Nick, were you going to say something as well, my love? For me, I remember going back to the first time I watched this season, the queens who walked in, like the two that stuck out in my mind was Tia Coffee because her entrance line is iconic, which is just like, reveal! It's not a reveal. And it's like hysterical. <laughs> And then Ellie Diamond and Ellie Diamond's entrance look, like I'm gagged to this day of how she walks in. And then she goes on, she's like, I'm 21. I'm really young. I work at a drive-thru and I'm like, you are way too beautiful and polished to be like a 21 year old baby drag queen. And so I remember when though, like when Ellie walked in, I was very much like, she's established. She knows her brand. She knows what she's going to look like every week. She makes her own outfits. And so that to me was like something that like she caught my eye right away. What's so funny is like she was so polished and you're like oh you wouldn't expect that from like a 21 year old um if you know anything about Dundee where she's from you would never like you would never expect that but yeah speaking of immediately Lawrence who I'm sure we'll talk about but I'm pretty sure Lawrence was the first one to walk into the workroom and I was like we love a Scottish queen we love an entrance I was like there's no way with the amount of like comic relief and being the first entrance that this will be the winner. But like, here we are. Fun fact about me, love a man from Glasgow. Just love a man from Glasgow. If you knew me in college, you know that about me. But immediately I was like this, this is my queen of the season. And I was so scared because I kept waiting for them to be eliminated. And then it was like, nope, we made it. Um, so I think that to answer the other question was like, that was the most fun journey to watch for me. But also quick shout out to Veronica Green going from Gollum to Gorgeous in 30 seconds. Incredible line. And I was like, mm, I'm not sure if it's a total yes right away. But then by episode two, I was like 100%. Agreed. Agreed. And Anna, I think... We talked about Ellie Diamond and Lauren Sheeney both being from Scotland. And I think Ellie Diamond, I think, is really interesting because, like you said, I know you maybe don't expect her to be as polished as she is coming from this place that's not known for being polished. But I think she's a good example of why season one was like a little bit more just like, oh, because like Ellie came in and she was not fucking around. And you know who was like kind of fucking around bag of chips, but like in a cute way. Like she was like so fun and so endearing. And you're like, oh, I love her so much. But like she's messy. She's messy. Like we didn't have that in season two. It was like, oh no, these these ones are not fucking around, except for maybe Tia Coffee. Uh Jenny Lemon, I think, was there to just have a good time. But Anna, you brought up the journey and like how Lawrence Cheney's journey was really fun to watch. I think another queen who like I'm sure we're going to talk about because they are an absolute fucking legend, but Bimini Bomboulash, her journey, their journey, I apologize, of like being in the bottom to the very first episode and like struggling the episodes after, like even though they did well in the challenge, they were still getting kind of red for their runways, being a little messy, being kind of sloppy. But then like after that, like they fucking nailed every single week and just like continuously got better until they had the most wins in the end. And that journey, I really loved watching. So they didn't initially catch my eye when they walked into the workroom, but overall of the season, theirs was the journey that I liked to watch the most. I mean, we can cut this if it's too mean, but I will say my immediate thought for both Bimini and Sister Sister was their out of drag haircuts immediately no. 
immediately oh, now. Yeah, some of it. I was like, no. I mean, like, I, we, we could. Do you care for a mullet, Anna? <laughs> we could cut this for being mean, but like, we could have like the anti trade category for this season. <laughs> we probably shouldn't, but we could. You know what I mean? We could. We won't, but, but we could. Like, we're doing the mullet and a French bang. It's a choice. <laughs> I agree, Nick, about Bimini. I think their journey is just one that is unmatched, maybe closely matched to Kylie Sonique Love's run on All Star Six of just like someone you weren't expecting to do well because they did very poorly at the beginning of their drag race career. And then they continue to just kind of surprise you and do things you're not expecting. And I think that was really exciting about their journey on. Drag race, drag race, you yeah, I can't talk on season two is like Bimini was not someone I had my eye on. I thought they were hilarious in a confessional, but I was like, they ha- they really struggled at the beginning there. And then you just start to realize like, no, they're just like a good human who like just wants to do drag and wants to bring queer people into spaces where they're not normally, where they not, no, oh my God, where they aren't normally. Oh my God. Guys, it's been a fucking day <laughs> where they aren't normally. And it's just, that's such a beautiful thing that comes so naturally to them that then their journey on Drag Race also reflected like their own, like, I don't know, just like beautiful human spirit. I don't know. I'm a big Bimini fan. So <laughs> I agree. Anyone else that we want to bring up before we talk about the elephant in the literal room? Okay. I mean, we could talk about a horror going from bitch to lovely person. I do Stop love it, Nick. Speak on it. Ahura, like, comes in and she is clearly, like, the sassy bitch. She, when Raven walks around, she's like, oh, like, I loved Raven. Clearly, like, bitchy fashion girl, that's me. But then, like, she goes on this beautiful journey and you get to know her. And then you get to know, like, the background of her more. And you're kind of like, oh, you're kind of like a bitch by, like, circumstance. Her journey of being, like, everybody in the fashion industry doesn't take me seriously because they don't think drag queens can do real fashion. That they can only do, like, camp people. The drag queens only think that I could do fashion. And, like, that doesn't make sense. And it's, so she's like, I've never really had a drag family or, like, drag friends or anything. And it's like, that's like sad. You like understand why she is so angry at some points or why she comes across with like this bitchy attitude because she's truly just like been shunned from places and communities that like shouldn't shun you, you know? Like you shouldn't be shunned from the drag community if you're just because you do a certain type of drag. And so she definitely feels like jaded because of that. And I liked watching her journey as well. Not so much her journey in the competition because she was always kind of just like consistently good until she was great until she went home, you know? But her personal journey in the show was really endearing to watch. And then they could have very easily just made her the villain and like not given her background, not made you think about her twice, but they didn't. And I'm happy that we got to see what made a horror a horror. I don't know if anybody else did, but I got very much adored Delano vibes from her. Maybe that's just me. Wait, didn't she talk about, I'm going to be wrong because I'm not going to remember exactly. Someone talks about being inspired by Odor Delano in there. What's the key with Michelle and Rue? No one remembers. Awkward. I should have pretend in my mind that it was Ahura. But I do kind of get the Adore vibes for Ahura as well. Anna, I feel you. Of kind of like, it's like fashion-y queen, kind of like doesn't give any fucks and she's a little bit shady. And also they kind of look the same. (laughs) They do have a similar like angular face with like long hair, like especially in drag. But I want to say Ahura actually, she's so funny because her, her turnaround seems to happen over the, the pandemic, like over her eight months off. She was like, I'm coming off real not cool on this edit. It's not going to end well for me if I continue down the path I've gone. And I think living with Tace helped her. Tace is probably like, 
let's, let's do less, ma'am. We're going to be fine, but like mm, do less. And so let's just talk a little bit about the gigantic elephant in the room of the season, which is that they had to shut down production for straight up seven months um, because of COVID. And on top of that, when they came back, Veronica couldn't come back because she had tested positive. They were gone for seven months, which is a huge amount of time. And they even talk about when they come back, there's some times in the workroom where they're talking about how they just like didn't have work. Like Ellie was homeless for a while. Taste basically couldn't afford to live anywhere. So they, he moved in with Ahura. Like there was just a whole bunch that came along with that on top of the fact that they didn't know when they were going back to filming. It was like, we, we honestly don't know. So just like stay by your phone. Here's a GoPro document what you're doing in your home because like, we don't, we don't know what to do. Like see you soon question mark. So I would love to know people's thoughts and how they felt with bringing back of the early stages of COVID, like March, 2020. It's been a minute since I've thought about that time and I didn't really need to relive it, but any thoughts on COVID, how it affected the season, even we can start there. Anna, you want to start us off? You seem ready. Yeah, I think there were good parts and there were bad parts because like we lived it, right? Like it's a real thing that you need to, when it happens in the middle of your show, it has to be addressed, especially when it split up the season. Like we didn't just keep filming and we didn't completely botch the season. So on the one hand, I'm like, I'm glad that we came back and made it work and we addressed it and people talked about how difficult it was, whatever. But at the same time, it like somehow didn't feel like enough. And in the grand scheme of the world that we're still currently living in because mind you it's not over to be like we were in lockdown for seven months and like now we're back the timeline just doesn't really check out like now it just felt a little weird but I think watching anything COVID related just feels like too soon and not right and like maybe we just shouldn't have done it all together I don't know I'm very uninterested in watching anything that has to do with COVID like all these shows like Grey's Anatomy this is us like they're wearing masks because like it's it's modern COVID times I'm like it's a fictional television show I know that this drag race is not fictional but like I don't know something about the whole concept of like we lived it so let's put it into the entertainment like no this is my escape. I do not want to be reminded of the hellhole that we lived through and are still living in. So on the one hand, we obviously had to address it, but I'm still not sure that like bringing everyone back and restarting the show was the right call. But like, I don't know, we did it. So here we are. I mean, the US for the record bungled it the worst and is still continuing to do so. But the UK also went through multiple weird lockdowns where it was like, we're kind of locked down. We're fully locked down. We're not. Oh, just kidding. We're back. And so I think that is very reflective of the seven months time period because that doesn't feel long enough. But I think for the UK and how they went about dealing with it, seven months was a normal timeline for them. Whereas like in seven months, we were all like deep and deep and dark in the pandemic. I think because their population smaller, they were able to like mobilize. It was a little bit more. Yeah. They feel a little bit. I feel like you have stronger feelings than me, Anna, because I was on, I think the pandemic has just made me like numb. Because oh, <laughs> I was honestly just like, oh, they had to pause on their back. <laughs> I feel like it didn't even hit me as much as it would have at the time. I feel like now I'm like, nothing is surprising when it comes to this. <laughs> so I'm just like, honestly, good for them for making it happen. Because I don't, I feel like most shows that I was watching or that I normally watch, they didn't have to pause because they had already ended, I guess, like all the Bachelor shows and stuff. So they just had to wait like a super long time. But this might be the only show where that I know of where they actually like stopped, regrouped, 
then and came back. So, I mean, I thought that was interesting. And I guess what was a little different to me is like, they weren't wearing masks, right? Like, I guess, cause they all quarantined together and tested, but I feel like other shows, like the ones that like Grey's Anatomy and like the fictional ones, you know, to me, those almost feel a little too real. Cause they're like literally wearing the mask. I feel like part of me was just like numb to it. I'm like, this, this is going to happen for like the next five seasons. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I think what we didn't see, Stacey, was like all the crew was definitely in masks and there was like the partitions between all the judges. And I don't know if you noticed, but RuPaul didn't go from table to table. Like they started going to RuPaul and stuff. So you kind of like saw it that way as well. And you saw more of it in U.S. because U.S. definitely must have had stricter rules. I will say, like, when me and Agri watched it, I was like, well, this is a little triggering. Remember when we didn't know what COVID was? <laughs> Remember simpler times? I will say, like, when we came back from it, it seemed like some of the queens stepped it up and, like, went home, reflected, and were kind of like, okay, cool, what can I do? Because, like, I saw some of the shit that these other queens brought. What can I do to increase my chances? Which I do find interesting because you don't usually get to do that. So, like, Tia Coffee, every week they're telling her, you know, your looks are very basic, your looks are unpolished. She could have went home and redid her entire wardrobe taking in all those critiques that she got and so when she came back like you could have actually seen oh you listen to our critiques you listen to the changes they didn't which was stupid on their part but it would have been interesting to see that happen sister sister kind of did but like went into like plagiarism basically of like multiple queen's outfits and it was uncomfortable but to me that is interesting that it's like you can go back change up your looks based on what the judges were saying to you there's a really funny part at the beginning of the episode they come back where Tia Coffee's like, I didn't even change my hair color for continuity purposes, but sister, sister has a whole new face. And I was like, you're not wrong, Tia Coffee. You're not, you're not wrong. I would really be interested to know what they said to the Queens because Nick, your comment about Tia Coffee is really funny because in Queens in lockdown, she's like, I'm rehydrating my wigs. Don't worry. Like I'm listening to what they're saying. I'm working on my stuff. And that's like, they're not different now what what do you mean you're working on it but like she there's video of her being like no this is me doing it she's like fixing a wig and I'm like okay ma'am go off (laughs) so I would love to know what they were told because I know Bimini has gone on record and people have asked them hey what happened why were you so much better in the second half and Bimini's like that's what I was always planning on doing Bimini and the same thing in the Queens in lockdown was like I was working Like as much as I could, I was trying to work. They had to go on a um, version of welfare that's not fully welfare, but like they couldn't claim unemployment because the UK didn't recognize being a drag queen as employment. So they had to go on like a different sort of substantial, sub, one even know, subsidized program. But it was really interesting to just hear that like some of them really took advantage of that. And some of them were like, I'm gonna just stick with what I have. Like I feel confident in what I brought and what I'm doing. It seemed to the viewer that there were no hard and fast rules about whether or not they could change it or how much they could change it. It seemed like that's what you chose to do in the pandemic. Great. Welcome back to the show. As long as you have a negative COVID test, we're not mad at you. You know what I mean? All right. So let's quickly talk about challenges. I do think the challenges were better this season than season one. And I thought they were pretty good in season one, but I think there's a few that are kind of like standouts. I thought it was like a really fun season in terms of twists on things that we normally see. Like there's always a design challenge, but I loved that this season it was who wore it best. So you were given the same color. And then one of you was the better of the two. 
it was a little annoying for judging because there were like two people who were in the quote unquote bottom who probably were better than some of the people in the top. Um, cough, taste, cough, Ellie Diamond. But would love to hear anyone's thoughts on a favorite or one that you were like, oh, this is a more updated version of something we've seen before. I feel like Nick is bursting at the seams to talk about something. So I'm gonna let him go first. I, I mean, like, I don't, I, is, is there, is, well, there's only one challenge to talk about and it's episode five, the Ruru Vision challenge. UK hun iconic it was like in the top 10 of billboard hits like it was insane this song was everywhere and it is everywhere to this day I know every single line to every single verse of the United Kingdoms not banana drama because nobody cares about banana drama it's so good and what a way to come back from COVID to like give us like here's a song challenge reintroduce yourself to us boom 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 bing bang bong sing sing song ding ding dong here we are and it's just oh god it was just so good I would like to submit for the record that while I definitely agree with you it needs to be pointed out that like the UK never wins Eurovision and this is this is the perfect example of why um however it was a great time it was good fun I don't know if this technically counts as like the challenges but I'll bring it up here anyway because part of why I got kind of burnt out with watching Drag Race is because like the challenges never really change like at their foundation like it's the same set of challenges yes they're being slightly tweaked and updated like the themes are changing like but I actually found that even though the same sentiment could be applied to the runways like it's always going to be different variations of like similar design challenges themes like you're going to see the same stuff pop up I actually thought that the runways this season felt really fresh especially the more like out of the box ones like the monster mashup one I thought was so clever and both of the design challenges I thought were clever twists on things so not technically the challenges which I know is what we were talking about here but but I think oftentimes the challenges are wrapped up, especially like the design challenges or like the theming matches up. So I thought that the runways felt not different, but different-ish. Inspired. You know what inspired. I mean? Inspired. Not tired. There she is. Man, I'm still just like, <laughs> I'm still just thinking about the excitement you just had, Nick, for the, the episode. <laughs> I was like, well, and yeah, I texted Aggie. Ding, dong. UK hum. I texted Aggie and I was like, I finally know why Nick always sings Bing Bang Bong. Like, I didn't know what that was. I thought it was a TikTok thing or something. Welcome so to my world. It all makes sense now. But yeah, I mean, that one was great. I mean, I thought the comp- the challenges were good overall. I don't know if any stood out to me a ton. I always love the Snatch Game. That's always my favorite. This is not a great example of a Snatch Game. <laughs> Bimini is Snatch Game this season. For this season, being as amazing and great as this season is, the Snatch Game is disappointing to watch. And I don't know, maybe it's because it's there's a lot more UK people that they chose to... Anna's like, no. That's no. Okay, Anna's saying like, no. no like, <laughs> if you're funny, funny is... Funny is funny. funny. Is funny. Yeah. Like, if you can be funny without making exclusively niche references, like, it will translate, you know? Because I was like, they were like, tasted so great. And I was like, I didn't find taste that funny. But then I was like, do I just not know who Jane Turner, I believe that's who taste was interpreting? Like impersonating a character from Kath and Kim. Yeah, and I was like, I don't, I think it was oh, very accurate okay. to who Kath and Kim, that character from Kath and Kim is. But I was like, eh. I think they were praising taste because no nobody else was good. 
Like yeah. Chase was the next best. Yeah. I was gonna say because like with like what Anna was saying, like I didn't know who Bimini was impersonating. The eyes or the nipples of the face, like iconic. Uh. It doesn't even make any sense. You're just like dead laughing. You're like that's so funny. <laughs> what the fuck, Bimini? Bimini, what are you talking about? But Rue is like dead laughing. Michelle is like screaming. And then everyone else is talking and you're like, huh? I, there were a few people though, like Rue's on their on her walkthrough and I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are, but that's okay. I think overall this season is just, like you said, Anna, it feels inspired, not tired, even though it's similar things. I just felt like there was a twist on them every once in a while. I feel like I'm sure in Drag Race history, as you will, they have done one where they're competing, two people have the same set of you know materials. But I don't know, in this moment, I was like, wow. I think it's because we had just watched season one where they had to get materials and make something. And this one, it was like, no, you're competing against one other person to be the top of those two. And I feel like that's something we've seen on like Survivor, right? Where they split them into two teams and there's two winners or they split them into three teams and there's one winner from each. And like, that makes it so that it's more interesting to see like who's going to go home from there because the pool of people that are going home is smaller. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it was just like a more interesting way to go about that. Last week, we talked a little bit about some of those sort of softer moments that we had in the season. I felt like this season, it focused a lot on like internal either representation or being recognized for who you are. There were conversations about bullying and self-confidence and self-worth, both with Lawrence and Sister Sister and Tia Nahora. Ellie talks about getting kicked out of her house. At one point, I believe both Ginny and Vimini are talking about non-binary rights and representation. And so there's just a lot, I feel like, that comes out of this. And also they get letters from home in a twist a la Survivor that we've literally never seen on Drag Race before. Or I haven't. Nick, you can correct me if they've ever gotten letters from home. They've never done letters. They usually get, like, videos in Untucked. But yeah, they never usually get letters. (laughs) I thought it was a very emotional moment. I did cry. And Stacey... (laughs) You know, you are normally the one to cry in a, in a precious moment like this. And I got emotional, fam. Them reading them to each other. I don't know. It really personalized it in a way that I was like, I'm crying on my own bed, like just taking notes on Drag Race. I don't love that for myself. But yeah, so I would love to hear if there was a sort of like softer moment that stood out to you. I mean, they also talk about quarantine. So any moments or thoughts that you would like to start with, it doesn't have to be you don't, if you didn't feel this way, we can skip this, but I had a emotion. I liked when, I think it was a horror maybe, was talking to someone about how they don't really have any, like, queen friends, and then they, like, don't really, like, this was, I guess, the first time they had, like, a circle of drag queens to kind of even bounce ideas off of, or just kind of connect with, and I think they were kind of realizing, like, oh, you know, maybe I could be, like, nicer, or be a little more, like, personable, you know, I, I th- it seems like they're seeing the value in kind of making those connections, and, like, you don't have to just do it all on your own, and just be, like, you know, very closed off, so I liked that because I do feel like there was a change by the end for them. I, I stand at horror by the end for sure. Anna? I feel like not to keep comparing it to American Drag Race, but like there is just something that I find I'm able to be much more like sympathetic to these queens that are coming from like middle of nowhere Shire as opposed to like on the US version you've got queens from New York and LA and like San Francisco and these huge communities and obviously on the US version you also have people from small towns and people who come from conservative families and everybody has their trauma I don't want to diminish that but there is just something like really endearing and a little bit sad about like these queens that really do come from rural England 
wind and like these really tiny places that you've never heard of that don't have clubs and drag shows and communities that like you can learn from and that you can have friends within it's just on such a smaller scale outside of america i don't know there's something that that's really touching when they open up about it that i get from the uk that i don't necessarily get from the u.s version and i felt the same way when we watched drag race down under especially the new zealand queens because it's just such a small community of drag queens they basically all work at the same club in auckland or wellington i don't quote me on that but they work in one of the major cities in new zealand and like they all kind of work in the same club and so like this kind of moment where you're like, this is a small community for you guys. And the fact that you've been bearing this sort of on your own as a drag queen in this community, not to diminish that there are members of the LGBTQIA plus community in other countries. And like, I think Lawrence and Ellie were a really good example of this. They're like, there is no drag in Scotland. And during lockdown, drag was the first thing to be cut. Like they're like, we're still not allowed to play live music. When in London, clubs were opening back up and like, lockdown was sort of lifting Scotland was not the same and so it was really interesting to also hear that of like Ellie and Lawrence have had a pretty significantly different experience than even some of those queens from smaller places in England who have found their way to like East London or whatever but they had even a more different experience of like no this is not important to this community like it's not something that is seen as adding value it's just like this fun thing and then it was the first thing to go and so I think there's just some really interesting conversation about the value of the thing that they've chosen to do. And I think this is a conversation that happened in the arts across the board, but the fact that then drag was also lumped into that and they felt like this is also my identity though, right? You're saying my career is not important to you, but also my identity is not important to you because it's so inextricably linked to my profession. And so there was some really interesting conversation. I agree about that as well. Well, what do we value? It's a little unclear. I think for me, like the one moment that stuck out to me a lot was the first episode when they're all de-dragging for the first time and Lawrence was like walking around in his makeup and they're like, oh, like Lawrence, like, why aren't you taking your makeup off? And he was just like, oh, you know, like I just feel more beautiful and more confident with my makeup on and like I don't feel that way out of drag. And I'm like, that's just like so heartbreaking. He feels his most beautiful when he has a mask on, you know? And like, especially being like a chunkier gay male like i understand that well like at, like the gay community itself is like ostracized from the rest of the world and then like within our own community we do that to each other as well and so it's hard to watch lawrence go through that like inner struggle because of how he's been treated outside of drag race and just like outside of drag especially because like in drag lawrence has like such high confidence and like throughout the rest of the season lawrence is like no i am the shit to me, that was really heartbreaking to watch. Was this the first time a bigger queen has won? I know um, like the last handful of U.S. seasons. Honestly, so a big queen has never won in U.S. I think um, a plus-size queen won the first season of Holland. But I think, <laughs> but, but also, like, their plus-size in Holland is it's different than plus-size in U.S. and U.K. So, like, I think the person weighed, like, 200 pounds and was like six foot three so it's like plus size or just normal i think lawrence cheney was the first true plus size person to win i feel like lawrence was in recent memory was the first plus size queen but also like that's why all-star six the final four was really interesting because there were two plus size girls and then a person of color and a trans woman so like 
that final four was like someone's no matter who we pick it's like a step forward for like drag race history because all four of them represent a different group within that that could also be marginalized so but Lawrence was definitely one of if not the first so that was a good segue Anna because my last big topic before we get into our normal segments is talking about the top four because Rue sprang on us a double Shantae in the second to last episode for background, I had seen like the middle six episodes. I had not seen the first two and I had not seen the last two. So I was gagged when there was a double Shantae. I was like, Nick, does Ellie Diamond go home? And he's like, just watch. And then I was like, a double Shantae, but why? <laughs> like we made a choice, Rue, we made a choice. So here's my thing is with the top four. I love the top four. It was very obvious that it wasn't a top four, that it was a top two. You know what I'm saying? It's very obvious that Tace and LA Diamond kind of had no shot. So the double Shantae was kind of like, why? It's just like, you just knew that neither one of them had a chance at the crown. Like, are they going to give it to somebody who's lip synced four times now? Or they're going to give it to somebody who has zero challenge wins? Like, no, that's not going to work. With that said, Tace does, did not deserve to be in the bottom those last two episodes. I like starting with the comedy challenge, literally Tace's critiques where you were really great. You shocked us at how funny you were. We were really proud of you. Your outfit is gorgeous and amazing. Bottom two. I, I'm sorry. What, where, who, when, and why? Like it was just odd choices and it annoyed me. That was like when I felt weird about like the last three episodes. I was like, this doesn't add up. This isn't making sense. Like, why are we constantly putting taste in the bottom? Taste is not the worst. In comedy, I thought taste is like one of the better ones in the stand-up routine. With that said, though, I did truly love the top four. But yeah, I felt a little jaded for taste. I agree, Nick. My frustration comes. Okay. I, again, my disclaimer, I love the top four as well. I'm an Ellie Diamond stan. You should have heard me talking about her during the season. I like while I was watching, I love Ellie Diamond. I think she's fabulous. I love her outfits. Her triple change in the like twice reveal in the uh, character. I don't even remember what the theme was. We'll get to, we're going to talk about runways. What, Anna? It was surprise, surprise. That's what it was. The reveals. Yes, exactly. Like hers was a gag. I was like, go off, Ellie Diamond. I love Tace. I think she's such a good lip singer. And I honestly, while I was annoyed at the double Shantae, I actually think she won the last episode. Like she was the best. Her lyrics were the most fun. Her dancing was insane. I was like, have you been doing the WAP dance on TikTok during quarantine case? Like you look great. I honestly felt like Tace could have won the episode had it been like, we're going to a final three. Like she could have won. Um, which would have made her storyline a little bit more interesting, but like, that's not where we were at. It was the finale. Nick, I agree with you. It was a final two, but you know who they didn't? They only made Ellie Diamond not lip sync. Like they put Taste in the top three to lip sync in the final song. And I was like, wait, what? Like, what's happening? By Ellie Diamond. And then on top of that, Taste was so good in the lip sync and Bimini crushed the lip sync. And I was like, how does Lawrence Cheney win? Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I don't get it. When I come back, I'm going to do what Rue likes and Rue will like me and I will, I will win. Bitch, it fucking worked. But I was just like, why is Taste lip syncing? And I felt like Bimini pulled a bag of chips and did not like fight for her win. Her speech was like, I just want to represent for all queer people. And I was like, I think that's beautiful, but that's not why you should win. Like, that's part of it. But also, like, why do you want to win? You're amazing. You've done so many awesome things. And I think she suffered a little bit of, like, 
well, I'm going to let my resume talk for me. And I'm like, no, baby, you got to, you got to talk it up. And so I don't know. It was just like a weird moment. I was, I was watching. And I was like, huh? So much is happening. And then she's like, launch Janet, you the winner. And I was like, oh, amazing. Love that for us. So I don't know. I had feelings about the final four, even though I loved all of them. I'm sorry. I'll stop talking. Stacey or Anna, please say something. Oh, wow. You both pointed at each other. That's awkward. Yeah. I mean, I got to the last few minutes of the episode and I was like, oh man, I want Lawrence to win. I know Lawrence isn't going to win. And then Lawrence won. And so I'm not really sure how or why, because it's a weird feeling because I very much wanted Lawrence to win. I thought Lawrence would make a great winner, but I was like, based on everything that's happened in the season and what we were shown, I do not think that Lawrence will get the crown. And so I'm not sure how I feel about Lawrence winning, even though Lawrence is who I wanted to win, but didn't think would win. (laughs) I'm happy, but I'm confused. I feel like there's always somebody like Lawrence on Drag Race, comic relief, great journey, does really well, but like just isn't quite there to the point of being the winner, but like leaves with a head held high, confidence increased, out into the world, fan favorite, like doing great things, but never the winner. And so I was just a little taken aback by Lawrence being the winner because I really was not expecting it. I wanted it, but I wasn't expecting it. And therefore I don't know how to feel. I can equate this to for our Survivor listeners. It's like when Sandra wins heroes versus villains. You love Sandra. You stand Sandra. Did she need to win that season? Or should she have won that season? You didn't hear no. Sandra, but you just said yes. <laughs> no, I feel, like, like, I feel like even, like, Lawrence won challenges and turned looks. Like, I think Lawrence is a very viable winner. Lawrence started off so high that after they won their, like, three challenges in a row, there was nowhere else for Lawrence to go but down. Bimini started at rock bottom at in the bottom two, the first episode. And so there's nowhere else to go and nowhere else for us to watch Bimini go but up. And Bimini didn't win their challenges until the second half of the season. And that's when Lawrence had Lawrence's low moments was the second half of the season. Like Lawrence deserved the win. It's not like she was bad throughout the season. They just like had very different trajectories and paths that we saw. I got the sense that Rue loved um, Lawrence the whole time, though. Literally know. from <laughs> episode one. Even Lawrence Chan. Yeah, the way she said her name. Just, it just seemed like like she was her, her favorite. So even though, yeah, I know I like was surprised at the end. I still was like, I don't know. It just seemed like they had a good chance. It so. makes you wonder what happened in the like casting room. Obviously, Rue sees them before they're cast, and it's almost like she just is like, that's the energy I like. Like, I'm, I'm about this, and I'm just going to be on Team Lawrence the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. That being said, we did get a win for our girl Lawrence Cheney, and um, hope for Bimini to be on International All-Stars, from our mouths to God's ears. They deserve it. All right, friends, it's time for our regular segments, and then we'll wrap this on up. So let's start with a vibe check. Um, If you don't have yours ready, I have mine. They're both written down and um, I am ready to start. I was going to make it vibe check a judge. You can choose dealer's choice. You can vibe check Alan. You can vibe check a guest judge who, by the way, we're not as interesting as season one, like going on record to just put that out into the universe. But they spent their budget on season one and then couldn't afford to get other judges for season two. Truly though, like truly. But that being said, I do have some vibe check moments. 
So one goes to the one and only Graham Norton. When they do the design challenge, lockdown super sheroes and sister, sister wears the outfit that is the garden. I, anyway, um, Graham Norton, when they are no longer, like they've gone to go to untucked Graham in the critique of sister, sister says, and I quote, it looks like you were digging in the garden and found a body. <laughs> ah, a face. <laughs> um, and there's something so pure, but also so terrifying about that visual. <laughs> it's like, Graham, where did you come up with this? Like, that's the worst analogy, but also so fucking accurate because she had, <laughs> could have been fully buried in that outfit. And it was so funny. I also just need to vibe check Rue in the final episode. No, second to last episode with her orange beanie. <laughs> you have no right, sir. Put it away. I guess I say the bigger vibe check of that moment is that Graham Norton liked Sister Sister's outfit. <laughs> like went on record and said, no, I like it. I think it's fun. Like and you're like, that... in the garden and you found a body. Ah, <laughs> but it's like the bigger vibe check is that he was like, no, I stand by my critique. I enjoy this outfit. And it's like, sir, this is why you are not qualified to judge Drag Race. So I mean, are we going to vibe check Rue for the H&M outburst? You can. Because... It's important that it's brought Go for it. Do it, Stacey. Like, I just, I, because I mean, again, I was watching it not that long ago, a few hours ago. And like, I think I had looked down, but I just like all of a sudden heard Rue yelling. And so I had to like rewind. And I was like, what happened? I don't want to see any fucking HMS. And, yeah, just like, I mean, this is the thing. I don't know like the norm for like, yeah, drag wardrobes or like, or at least for the show, like if there are certain expectations, but like, what's wrong it's with H- drag race. But like, what's wrong it's with H&M? It's drag race, Stacey. I may have a few shirts from H&M. I was like I think the bigger thing was truly it was like off the rack on the body but like Rue was like put some fucking stones on wear a belt like do something like do something better but then Rue like apologized later said like she uh, yeah herself. she back checked herself she was like you know we've all been in quarantine <laughs> God, she's so important <laughs> That, that's the moment. That's the moment. Um, Anna, do you have a vibe check? Oh, I do. I do. I do. My vibe check goes to the moment where we return from the treacherous seven-month lockdown. We're back in the workroom. We're feeling good. And RuPaul shows up wearing that fucking heinous yellow wig. Why? The glasses the face RuPaul put on their head. No. <laughs> I was, I literally was so confused by it that I looked it up on Google to like see what people were saying on the internet. And somebody on Reddit was like, I think it was to show, like to joke that time had passed, like that so much time had passed that Rue grew hair. And somebody else was like, no, he did it on another episode of like a different season. It doesn't mean anything. It's just weird. So that's my vibe check to the yellow wig that meant nothing. And also ruined a very precious moment of like, we're back in the workroom after seven months of lockdown. Nicholas, what is your vibe check? Anna, that was perfect. I mean, there's so many to vibe check the judges with. Like Alan Carr just giving the worst advice during the comedy challenge because every piece of advice he gave the queens to do, the judges read those queens for and said that it was bad. And it was like, Alan Carr is maybe the worst person to help with the comedy challenge. Let's never do that again. And I know you look confused, but literally he told Ellie Diamond to do the voice more and more. And then Ellie Diamond got yelled at by the judges for doing the voice. And it's like, 
This is Alan's fault. You're right, but also like in your free time, go watch some of his show, Chatty Man. Oh my God, it's so funny. (laughs) My real vibe check is for Lawrence Cheney when Ellie Diamond picks the running order for the comedy challenge and Lawrence Cheney doesn't shut up about it until the finale episode. Get over yourself and move on. It it lasted so long. I think to one-up that vibe check, Lawrence also said multiple times, what if it was me who had gone home? And it's like, that would have been good for me. Then you wouldn't have won and we would have, like Ellie would have had a better chance. Lawrence, why is it my business whether or not you go home? If you go home, that's good for me, man. This is a bad argument. Um, So anyway, agreed. All right, for honorable mention, I've chosen it for us because I'm hosting and it's my gig. You know what I mean? I'm just kidding. But I've chosen it for us because it's one Miss Tia Coffee because as unpolished as she was, she was a season one queen on season two. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? That is the most accurate description you could give her. Like that is a perfect, she would have gone so far on season one. She would have gone done great. She would have done fab. I need to just speak on her for a minute. I love her. There is something pure joy about Tia Coffee. Just absolutely hilarious. So funny. Her commentary back and forth with the judges when she was in something they absolutely hated on the runway. She's like, you know what I'm going to do, though? I'm not going to make you hate me. You can hate my clothes, but you will not hate me. And I was like, bitch, respect. Fucking respect. She was so funny on the runway. I was like, they they don't even put her in the bottom two as often as she probably should have been because she was so funny. Like, she's just so endearing. She's so lovely. Does she need better clothes? Sure. But who, who has that kind of coin? Let this girl live. You can always buy better clothes and learn how to pad your body. You cannot buy a personality. Yeah. Tia Coffee like is already above and ahead of the game. It's the moment of the Who Wore Better challenge. As she's walking down the runway, her voice was like, is it fashion? No. Is it nicely made? No. Is it on my body? Barely. (laughs) I'm serving an adequate dress made of materials that is on my body. (laughs) Or like when Michelle's like, Tia, what do you think I'm going to say? She's like, I think you're going to say that you love it and I should have been at the top. And it's like (laughs) that, like, you can't buy that. So like, Tia, you can learn how to do your outfits better, but your personality is like there. Also, like her makeup was good too. Yeah. Like she had good makeup. It's truly just the outfits that she needs to work on. I also loved her response when they named her Basic Bitch. She's like, I am. You're not wrong. <laughs> she also has the best name. Let's not forget. It's the best name. And <laughs> let's be honest, a vibe check for Rue, bonus, every time she spoke to Tia Coffee. And the question remains, <laughs> Tia Coffee. And I'm like, shut up, Rue. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, nothing but love. Tortilla coffee. I, what an addition to season two. All right, let's move into rapid fire. I know we are almost done. I don't think this will take us that long because I tried to make them like snippy. Um, I thought two of the ones from last week were really good. So we're going to keep them. First off, we're going to start with favorite lip sync. Nick, are you ready? Would you like to go first? Oh yeah. I was just going to pause really quick. Ozzy's naked in a tree on Twitter. <laughs> Classic Ozzy. Do you want me to send it to the group chat? Is that something we want sent to the group chat? I'll hold on. You send it to me, Nick. Okay. You don't want to see I'll Naked Ozzy. Come on. Um, anyway, Nick, I know you have a favorite lip sync. Would you like to start us off? 
Yes. And I think this is going to come to people's surprise. My favorite lip sync was episode two, Memory by Ellen Page. I loved it. And let me tell you why I love it. Because it reminds me of like old school drag race where the lip syncs didn't need to be high kicks, high energy, high flips. It was very much just like feel and body this song and make it insane. And like, that's what Taste did. And that like watching Taste, like people were crying. And like Loki, I was watching, I was like emotional, gave me chills. It was such a good lip sync. Like, and also out of all the songs this season, that's the one I would pick out for myself to do. Stacy, Well, I, that's mine too. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that when you were like, it might be a surprise. But yeah, that was mine too. Because yeah, at first I was like, how are they going to dance to this? This just seems a little too slow. But then, yeah, it was like very intense. And some of the queens in the back were like, they had like goosebumps because you can see they're like going like this to their arms and stuff. So yeah, it was, it was a different one than I've seen before. So I liked it because of that. So, and then like the song has been stuck in my head all day since then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anna, what was your favorite lip sync? I have two. Is that allowed? Okay. So my favorite song choice was episode seven don't be so hard on yourself because we love and we live for a Jess Glenn moment brings me right back to my college days but what I thought the best lip sync was was the solo sister sister lip sync of you keep me hanging on after Jenny Lemon decided to brexit herself at first I wasn't sure if she realized what happened and I was like she's fucking crushing it like it, I think it was the best lip sync of the season because at that point you're like I might as well just go for it because I'm not going home I have literally nothing to lose I'm gonna lay it all out there I'm gonna make it a little bit funny and it was just the best one I thought nothing is better than Jenny Lemon just walking out like I'm out <laughs> peace um Anna same as you, I have just a special shout out to Jess Lynn because that song is fire. If that song doesn't get you pumped up for the day, it's a lost cause, go, go try again. Um, but mine was actually the final lip sync. I thought Lawrence, Bimini, and Tace all fucking crushed it. And who doesn't want to dance and sing to I'm Still Standing by fucking Elton John? If you don't, you're wrong. And I will hear no arguments. They all did what they did best in that lip sync. And so I did think that they all did well. Do I think Lawrence did the best? No, but like that's a different conversation for a different day. But do I think he did well in that moment? Yes. I think all of them left nothing on the floor in that lip sync, which I loved. All right, let's talk favorite runway theme. And I feel like you kind of already said yours, but maybe not. So I'll like, I'm gonna let you start though. Wait, I'm curious as to which one you think it is. I thought you said you really liked Monster Mashup. Oh, it just felt original to me. Um, oh, I got you, I got you. But I actually, I think my favorite runway, and I'm really torn because I loved a lot of them, but I think my most like cheeky one that I appreciated was Day at the Seaside. They were just, they were so clever. And the ones that weren't clever were like either lovely or were nothing that I was expecting. And let me tell you, if you've ever been to the seaside in the UK, those fucking seagulls will take your chips. Um, so the amount of seagull representation on that runway, I just thought was like incredibly accurate. And I very much enjoyed it. Day of the Seaside was one of my favorite too. I think Joe Black coming out looking the best and then going home while looking the best, like tragic. But I also really liked the Panto Dame. I loved that one. I thought it was really fun. I think it was only four looks that we got, but they were really fun, cute, and clever. I've never seen a panto, but um, they, I like know the essence of it and I understood it. And I thought the people left did a really good job and they're really fun to see. Stacy, I would say either Day at the Seaside or Who Wore It 
best probably but i did like day the seaside i i don't i know they didn't like tia tia coffee's um ice, ice cream, cream look i liked the ice cream look i feel like that would be cute to wear <laughs> so. stacy's gonna go as an ice cream cone for halloween watch this space watch this space i actually love surprise surprise i thought the reveal runway was so fun ellie diamond Special shout out to you because you did too. And they were all flawless. And they all were exactly that character from Wizard of Oz. I thought she nailed it. I thought Ahura's groom to bride look was also stunning. Those two just like stick out in my mind. It's like, this was fabulous. Um, but I think surprise, surprise is such a fun runway theme. I don't always love when they make a reveal as part of it because sometimes you're like, some of these people are just like, it doesn't look that good. Their reveal just wasn't good, but I felt like all these reveals were good. So that made it like more exciting because sometimes it's just like you're forcing it when you don't need it to be there. But this one was not one of those. All right, two rapid fires and then we outie homies. Favorite, Nick, do you have to go? What's happening? Or you want to start? I, I, have, I want my quote to be first. Okay. Oh, oh, he would like to claim his space <laughs> so that none of the other women who are already marginalized can take it first. You know what I mean? Okay. I am a gay fat man, a fat gay femme man. Please do not act like I am not marginalized, bitch. Nick, I was joking. All right. Um, okay. So second to last rapid fire is favorite quote from a queen. Like Nick said, and all of us, I feel like have mentioned it at some point, this season was basically just memes. So Nick, I'm going to let you start us off and then we'll whip around. Stay I mean, what's fun is that my quote fits into you attacking me. The cheek, the nerve, the gall, the audacity, and the gumption. I will say that all the time. I do say it all the time. It is iconic. But literally, whenever Taste spoke, best quote of the season. Just like another like highlight of like, it's like when Taste is sitting there after lockdown, it's just like opens up their jars like, did you miss me? I miss you. And it's like, Taste, what is happening? I love you. You're iconic in everything you say. Taste is iconic. Stacey, you're up next. Okay. Clearly I was just obsessed with tea at coffee. So so mine was when when Rue was like, what is it? Not Sasha, you stay the other one. Whatever. When you lose when you lose. Like what do you what is Sashay away? Sashay away. Sashay away. Sashay away. And then Tia was like, Are you sure? I I don't have any plans or anything. (laughs) Are you sure? That killed me. Also, this one's not a queen, but for some reason, this must have been the seaside challenge. Someone was a buoy, and and Rue was like, "Yeah, buoy." <laughs> I just like couldn't stop laughing. See, that should have been your vibe check. That should have been your vibe check, man. I, okay, the judges had some of the best like one-liners. I yeah, thought the judges great. were hilarious. Anna, you're next. Mine has to go to Lawrence Cheney, who I think it's in the first episode. They're all introducing themselves, like sitting at the table in the workroom. Um, and Lawrence is like, I'm from Glasgow. And somebody goes, my mom's from Glasgow. And he goes, I am your mom. Like, excuse me? Lawrence's first episode is great. Like, I could see why you fell in love with her. Every single thing out of her mouth. Hysterical. So good that I was like, this can't be the winner. They're giving us too much. The winner's edit was very clear from, from the job. There are so many from Bimini Bamboulash. I'm going to pick two that I feel like are really good. Both of them from the like stand-up challenge. In Bimini's actual stand-up, she says, give it up for Scotland's answer to birth control, Lawrence Cheney, which is so mean, but was said with such like love in her words, like in her tone, that you knew she was joking, but I also like out loud guffawed. 
I was like, that's fucking hysterical. And then <laughs> Vivi's in a confessional and they're going, that's a story for another time. And then, so that's like reading taste. And she goes, that's a story for another time. Babes, I think you need to tell that story now. I don't think there's going to be another time. And I cried. I was like, that is so funny. Like it was so good. They were absolutely hysterical. I mean, I could go on and on the number of things they say that I honestly am going to start saying myself. They're hysterical. Not a joke, just a fact. Not a joke, just a fact. 10 out of 10, Bimini Bamboo Lash. I love them. All right. Last but certainly not least, we've already, we've been dancing around this idea the whole time. This season was full of just moments where you're like, what the fuck? Of just like gag upon gag upon gag. So let's just quickly whip around. What was your biggest gag of the season and why was it Ginny Lemon? Anna Tantillo, would you like to start a song? <laughs> I will, because that is not mine. Although, wow, I literally had to rewind the episode because I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> um, no, mine, unfortunately, is Veronica not coming back because of COVID. Because I... By that point in the season, she had really started to grow on me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I really like this queen. And then it was so shocking because I hadn't even considered that a possibility amidst the COVID of it all. But of course, it was a possibility because the COVID of it all. So I was genuinely shocked. Like my jaw dropped sitting alone in my bed on my laptop. Yeah. And I'm I'm very excited to see her come back for season three. Agreed. Agreed. But I was oh, really thing. shocked and saddened. Face you up, my queen. <laughs> Okay, yes. Aside from the queen leaf just walking out, mine would be um, Astina going home when they when she did because I really like I thought she had it in the bag honestly, and I feel like all the queens were like, what? <laughs> like mm. what's happening? So and then not getting voted back in also. I was like, I'm sorry. Well, actually, I was like, I think it's smart because they didn't want to go against her. Yeah, they were like, I don't want to go against her. That bitch is good this. We got rid of her already. We were all like breathing, breathing good because she was gone. Um, Nicolas, biggest gag. Stacey took the one that I was going to use. Well, I mean, the, of course, the biggest one is Ginny Lemon Bentola creming herself, just like leaving during the lip sync which like what the fuck so i mean like yeah of course that's the biggest one but tia coffee sending home Estina was also a huge gag but it also like was kind of satisfying too because in like the brief untouched that you get in the back room Estina was like i mean whoever lip syncs against me pack your bags now like i'm ready to send you home and so like when she lost it was kind of like oh maybe you shouldn't have been so cocky miss mandela Mm-hmm. So it was like satisfying, but also it was a huge gag. Huge. I think my biggest gag is the double Shante <laughs> at the final four, no less. Not that I was unhappy about it, just I was like, huh? Why are we doing this? Um, and then in the ex- next episode, I already mentioned this, but then they do three of four, do the final lip sync, and Ellie Diamond, you've done, bro. You barely made it here. And then we just didn't let you actually compete for the crowd. <laughs> so, like, mood um but i think those are my gags of the season like that's late in the game to throw a double shantae out there Rue. but you gotta do you girlfriend you gotta do you and with that we are now ready to watch uk season three they said september it is september so see you when it starts we are so excited we will be recapping those episodes so see you there next week circle season three part one like let's go fam We'll see you on the flip side, over and out, Escaping Reality Fam.
Ding, bang, bong, sing, sing, song, ding, bang, bong, you can And we out. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Escaping Reality. We are so grateful to have you all in our little podcast fam. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and give us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow for new episode notifications. We love interacting with you and want to hear your take on each episode as you watch. So slide into those DMs at Escaping Reality Pod on Instagram or tweet us your feels at ESC Reality Pod on Twitter. Go ahead and hit us up. Thanks so much for listening and escaping reality with us. Thank you.